Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome in to episode 8 of the Black and Gold Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein alongside Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. And guys, we do want to start the show today uh, just by saying rest in peace to Willie Taylor and talking about the impact that he made on VCU basketball. Connor, I'll let you kick it off. Man, uh, you know, being born in 92, uh, so I was 8 to about 11 years old when Willie was playing at VCU in the early 2000s. He was the first really good player I saw. Uh, I know Caleb's generation got to see Kendrick Warren. My brother got to see Phil Stinney, then Kendrick Warren. My dad saw some great players like Calvin Duncan as, as, as an adult and whatnot. But Willie was the man. He uh, he was a scoring mofo. That's all I got to say. The dude could put the ball in the hoop. And a special memory for me is in my eight-year-old birthday in 2000, uh, my twin sister and I had a birthday party at the bowling alley. And uh, if you remember kid birthday parties at the bowling alley, you always received a pin, a bowling pin, and everyone would sign it. I took home two that day, and I put the whole VCU roster on my on my bowling pin, and I still have it. And Willie's up there, but uh, man, it, it it's just an awesome memory. He was he was a baller, and uh, you know, seeing Bo Jones, his teammates' uh, Facebook status on New Year's Eve, I was texting Caleb when it happened, man, it uh, broke my heart. Yeah, I was like twelve or thirteen years old, and I was really getting into VCU basketball at that point. And uh, Willie was just a guy that, like you said, he he was just a he was a bucket, and he could go off at any time. There's not that many guys that have worn the VCU basketball uniform. It could just go for like 20 or 30 on any given night. And I know that he has the all-time uh, points total in a game for us at 44 against Evansville. Wow. And uh, it, that, that's the type of guy he was. And I think all of his teammates really appreciated him. And uh, honestly, he ushered in a, a really good generation of VCU basketball. Uh, it took us a lot while to get to the tournament in 2004. Uh, but I think that, you know, he kind of set the precedent um, and uh, really, really helped the program turn a corner. He was part of those teams early on that were uh, that kind of set the stage for BCU's kind of revival. Um, but he was he was a scorer, like you mentioned the Evansville game. But uh, man, it just it, it it really stunk. You know, just seeing the news. Also, the early two thousands jerseys. Some of these highlights I've seen. Sick. We got to bring some of those yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the charcoal jerseys, the yeah. gold. Dude, we got to bring some of those back. <laughs> Connor, yeah. can you compare him to somebody you know from my era of VCU basketball? This Can't. might be off the cuff. There's one guy who has a similar game to him, though Willie was a little bigger. Melvin Johnson's probably the closest. I think Willie yeah. was a little better. Yeah. Um, if Willie played in the 2000 teens at BC, I think he's an NBA player, but that's a different conversation. Um, I think Melvin Johnson had a similar game. Uh, Willie also shot like 88% from the from the free throw line. Um, that's probably because he what he was tall. He was six four, six he was five, six six. Yeah, six six. I, I would say Melvin's probably the closest comparison. Yeah, mm. he, I mean, we don't really have anyone that could shoot had the total package from the wing like him. Um, I mean, super athletic. He actually went to the dunk contest his senior year after he graduated. <laughs> I remember that. And, uh, I mean, awful. I thought he put on a pretty good show. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, he didn't win it, did he? No, he didn't. I remember watching it with my brother. My brother was a senior at VCU then. And, it, man, it just yeah. the, but, new, the but, new stunk, man. Well, yeah, we're going to miss him. 
You're listening to the Black and Gold VCU podcast. I'm Adam Epstein here with Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. So yesterday we watched VCU fall on the road to Duquesne. It was their first road game since the game we all went to, except for Caleb, at Temple. When the Rams lost there, they returned home, won five games straight, and it felt like we had some serious momentum, Connor. And then what happened? We leave the stew and it disappears? I'll be 100% honest with you. I didn't feel like the coaching staff or the players were, were prepared from the opening tip last night. Uh, I, the things Duquesne does well, shoot, shoot the three ball well, top 30 in the nation, offensive rebounding, top 20 in the nation. I mean, those are two things you have to know that they're good at, and they outplayed us at, in both those categories. I would concur. I, uh, my biggest worry is it highlighted some serious chemistry issues that were masked by some inferior opponents over the last five games. Um, we're at home, we're able to get over the hump. But right now, you're really seeing some uh, some issues within the team. And I don't think it's the guys don't like each other. I think they do. I just don't know if they know how to play with each other right now, especially on the offensive end. Yeah, I talked about this on my show a little bit today with Matt Shelton, of VCU Ram Nation. I think part of it has to do with this whole transfer portal. Although we love David Shriver, Brandon Johns Jr., Zeb Jackson, you know, you don't have the same chemistry with guys uh, because you don't have as much time with those guys. But then you could also say, like, Jaden Nunn disappeared, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Jameer Watkins didn't do enough. And Jalen Deloach got in early foul trouble, and he turns into a shell of himself when that happens. I think the, the comment about the transfer portal and and, uh, and chemistry and whatnot it is valid, but this is college basketball. And we have to adapt. Uh, to me, early on in the season, November or November and into December, chemistry. I understand you, you're you're learning basketball, and look, you're not expecting it to go undefeated in conference play. But if you have chemistry problems going into January, I mean, it, this is we played 15 games. You should you know you're going to drop a few. You should be good as a team by now. I agree, and you could say the same thing about injuries. Obviously, having Ace in and out of the lineup and not allowing the entire team to gel as they normally would is not good, and, and it's been a setback. But at the same time, I feel like w when we have Ace and Nunn in together, we're just not playing complimentary basketball. Um, you know, we're, sh we're sharing the ball okay, but we just need to figure out how to play off of one another, especially on the offensive end. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it feels like when Ace and Jaden Nunn are together, one of them drives and dishes to the other guy, it's like they don't catch it in their shooting pocket mm -hmm. ever. Where you'd think those guys should have three assists to each other each game because right. they're such great outside shooters. To me, it feels like it's one or the other. One of them's on and the other one's off. Right. And uh, honestly, if you look at the box score, I feel like it kind of tells that story as well. I mean, uh, it was a few games ago, Jaden had like 24. Uh, yeah, uh, well, it, it was a game where Ace and him were playing. Ace had three points and he had eight assists and played well. But like Jaden went off that night. But then it's it's like it's like a light switch with those two. But we need them to play together. If you remember the the 20, 20, like 16, 17, 2017, 2018 St. Bonaventure Bonnies? They had Matt Mobley at the two guard and their point guard. Uh, uh, last name Adams, I want to say. Yeah, it was uh, Jamal Jaylen. Adams. No, Jalen Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was – yeah. Brendan Adams and Jalen Adams. It was Jalen Adams. Yeah. So, so, so those two guys, it felt like every night they were going to score 15-plus points, and I kind of thought that was going to happen with these guys. I'm just using an A-10 comparison, yeah. and it just hadn't happened. Here's a national stage comparison. I was watching Baylor last night. Um, their three leading scores are their point guard, their shooting guard, and their small forward. I mean, they lost to TCU, but that's the type of, I think, leadership and points production we need from – 
our starting guards. Well, I think the biggest issue that I've noticed is the scoring droughts that we go on. And a lot of times it happens at the beginning of the game. Now, one positive I do want to say, I felt like watching that game, VCU was going to give up, and we did the opposite of that. And we fought back into it and clawed. And there was a point in the second half where I said to myself, we might end up winning this thing. So I, we do yeah. deserve some credit for that. But what's up with these damn droughts? Yeah, I, it, it, it's we, ever, over the past two or three years, we've been very spurtable, I guess is the word I would use. And I don't know how we avoid them. Uh, maybe Rhodes should use timeouts more strategically. Uh, maybe he should change lineups more quickly. But I feel like he also substitutes people too quick sometimes. Yeah. So uh, and he is a big uh, component opponent of playing through issues but, like that. Like I see him a lot of times. He doesn't call for the timeout. Just say bring it up the court. My main takeaway too is it's it's a tempo thing, and when we go in these long droughts, we're shooting in the second half of the shot clock. We're yeah. trying to play a half-court offense that, frankly, is not our game. Nope. And uh, I think that we need to shoot within the first 15 seconds of the shot clock unless we don't have a good shot. And most of the droughts are at the very beginning of the game. Last night was a little different. It was close the first couple minutes, like mm-hmm. 7 to 6, and then they were down 20-plus. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, oh, they cut it. <laughs> so we're always trying to cut the lead. Let's get it to single digits. And, yeah, last night um, – tiny bit better start but on rams unlimited post-game interview mike Rhodes said he might look at like lineup starting lineup changes or quicker subs so he's looking into it but yeah it feels like every game we're down early yeah i mean he's not afraid to make uh you know make changes right now because frankly this is when the season matters most in a10 play you gotta find a way to get into the top four if you want a chance to win the a10 tournament in my opinion man all right let's hand it off to the professor chris mason Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. Um, so LaSalle, it was New Year's Eve. Um, I thought it was a pretty festive atmosphere in there, a little holiday flair. Post-game, they let down some balloons and a big mess in Happy New Year's, and people seemed excited to be in there. It wasn't a sellout, but a decent crowd, kind of um, slow start as usual, but um, the crowd kind of willed them back into it, and um, when the Rams gave them something to cheer for, they did that. So I'd say that's a B for me. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good, you know, it was a good crowd for considering the circumstances. First A-10 game, and, and you're right, the crowd did make some real energy in the second half as VCU pulled away. Solid environment overall. Uh, overall, I mean, the first half was kind of boring. You know, LaSalle had about like six or seven. I thought it was a boring first half. Second half, I mean, a couple of the big plays by Zeb Jackson. The crowd got into it. And I thought that, like I said, you mentioned festive. I thought they did a good job with the uh, balloons and whatnot. So it was a fun New Year's Eve. And then I started drinking and uh, didn't really stop. So, <laughs> Yeah, I thought it filled out pretty well. I did talk my fiance into getting a Papa John's personal pepperoni pizza and it was about the same experience that you guys had earlier um just not may- what maybe a dave portnoy 2 uh, <laughs> 2.6 oh gosh uh Ooh. i don't like that guy anyways, but yeah. <laughs> Dang. it was uh it was pretty weak <laughs> all right let's hand it off to caleb jones the stat monster what in god's holy name are you blathering about let's hand it off to caleb jones the stat monster All right, so updating our uh, important stats, the first being uh, 12 turnovers or less per game. 
and Ace having an assist to turnover turnover ratio of two to one. Navy, we had nine turnovers. Ace had eight assists and no turnovers, so an eight to zero assist to turnover ratio, which is great. Uh, the only problem there is we only had one other person pass out and assist that game. Um, did I read that right? I think I did. Anyways, LaSalle, 15 turnovers, not terrible. Ace, 6-3 to three on the assist-to-turnover ratio. And Duquesne, 15 turnovers. Ace, 2 assists, uh, 3 turnovers. We weren't moving the ball very well at all against Duquesne. Um, and 8 assists total against them. Have you noticed the amount of turnovers we have from just our ball handling, like dribbling it into our own knee. Well, Brandon Johns last uh, in the first half against Duquesne had, well, I don't know if it was all six, but he had six turnovers against him, and it felt like it was all in the first half. I think think four or five of those were in the first half. Yeah, I think three of them were dribbling off his knee, trying to spin on people. And one thing I've noticed, when people challenge us, they're able to push us off the the three-point line, and we're starting our offense out almost to half court. And, uh, you know, we, we really need to, to get further down towards the three-point line so we're, and, and be more aggressive from there. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I thought Duquesne's D was very disruptive against us, and it showed uh, with the assist that we had. And Trey Clark, former VCU product, had five steals um, yesterday to go along with 26 yeah, points. He, he, went, he went full VC. The long. one steal <laughs> where he pulled a Briante Weber, he didn't even have to tip the pass away. He just intercepted it, went coast to coast, threw it off the backboard to himself. The young man showed out and had a great night. But here's what I'll say about the VCU offense, Caleb. Why does it feel like we can get past our man, then we get into no man's land? Because nobody on the team except for Jaden Nunn has a mid-range jumper, and so we get to that area, and then it's let's just kick it back out and reset again. It's and so we have point. momentum and then we do nothing. It's a great point. And like I was talking about earlier, it's, it's, it's a tempo thing. And I think if we have an opportunity, even if it's early on in the shot clock, take it. We are a better team when the pace is frenetic. So I, I would really like to see us attack when you, when you beat someone. Even if they're on their shoulder, I mean, if you kick it to the wing and just, you know, run through just get some movement going if you have to get fall back into your offensive set okay that's fine it's brunch at the stew this saturday as the rams face off against davidson pre-game coverage i've got your back on 9 10 the fan via rams unlimited at 11 30 uh, connor that's an early game at the stew man i'll say one thing i love on saturday I want a noon game, I want a 2 o'clock game, or I want a, like a 6 or six or 8 o'clock game. Those 4 o'clock games I'm not a fan of. They kind of just cut into your whole day. Yeah. So the noon games, it's fun, especially the weather's – I mean, it's supposed to be cold but sunny. I mean, if Joe's in has got a short line, which it usually doesn't, I'm, I'm, I'm at least one pitcher of Moses deep before I get there. And that actually brings up a great point, and this is something I was talking with Rodney Ashby about before the game. And, and Caleb, chime in here, all right? VCU, in my opinion, needs a sports bar on the other side of Broad Street. Why can't we do that? Why is Village Cafe, which is like two blocks, and then you got to turn right? Well, that's the closest place for VCU fans to hang out. It's a good question. I uh, I would love to see something on like the Marshall Street side. Uh, oh, on the other side, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, want it, the old. What was the old Club Mansion? Turn that into oh, like yeah. a, a, a like. <laughs> it, was close, it was Club Five Three Four when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Club, Club Boss. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. But turn that into a sports Camel, bar. Right Camel, there. you can get drinks at too. Uh, maybe not early on a Saturday, but. Uh, yeah, but you get what I'm saying, Connor. Is I I'd like a place because home team, you got to get in your car and then you got to drive to the game yeah. after that. Yeah. No, it's it's all valid points. But hey, I, I mentioned brunch mimosas and whatnot, but uh. We got a basketball game to play, and I've been frustrated with this team at times. But uh, like any sports fan, uh, your, your sports team can suck you back in, 
And I think Saturday is an opportunity. Davidson, a team who's has kind of a mixed bag so far this year, looked really good at times against Purdue. Uh, just beat Loyola last night. Also, kind of dropped a, stung, a stinker to Delaware. Uh, so it just kind of an up and down team. Lost at home to Charlotte, who's kind of mediocre, but uh, a team who we know can score, run good offenses. They don't have their great coach anymore. They have their great coach's son. Right. But um, <laughs> I mean, Foster Lawyer is a guy you got to guard him. Put 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 Ace on him. He's a shooter. Yeah. Uh, first of all, how how Davidson is Reed Bailey. I know. For, well, we're, like, we're, yeah. So Davidson. We're really familiar with their roster. I, I mean, it's this is a team we play every single year. Sam Menanga is their basically like seven footer who's kind of like a statue, but yet he can turn around and hit that hook shot every single time if he's open. You mentioned Foster Lawyer. I think that's the key to the game because this is a guy that, with if we're playing VCU Havoc basketball, he should be running for his life. Yeah, we gave him all sorts of trouble last year. I mm-hmm. thought we Ace, did. Ace and I mean they had Lee and uh, Mike Michael Jones, and we did a really good job defensively against him last year, especially at Davidson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we kind of have the blueprint. We just need to do the same thing. If you get in Lawyer's face, he's not athletic, but he's a very smart player. You just got to disrupt him and kind of deny him the ball as much as you can because everything runs through him. Um, yeah, like you, got, like you said, Sam Meninga, he's a solid 6'8", 6'8". He'll have a double-double against us. I yeah, already yeah. feel it. He'll, he'll be like a 10-12 ten, ten guy. <laughs> I already feel the it. The problem is we can't let him get like 16, 18. No, and I feel he, like he, he could do that. He can shoot the ball a little bit. Yeah, um, he can. There's, they have this guy, David Skogman. I don't know if he's a transfer or a true freshman. He's actually been pretty good, and he's like a 6'10". He's kind of like Luka Brockovich. Um, light, but yeah, that, that guy's coming along pretty well. So you got to be careful of him too. For VCU, we need to get Josh Banks back in the lineup. I don't know if it was the fact that he got hit in the eye against LaSalle or what, but that's the spark we need off the bench. And so against Davidson, I just feel like this is going to be another game where it's going to be a slow start. VCU's offense, it's not like we come out and hit three threes right away. David Shriver did that once this season. <laughs> so it's going to be a slow game where both teams are going to go to the bench, and then I think that's when it's going to open up. VCU's got to have someone come off the bench and be a spark. I say play inside out to start. Davidson, decent size, not the most athletic team. Get Brandon Johns to pop up to the elbow, that kind of thing. But like you said, someone come off the bench, whether it's whether it's Banks, whether it's Shriver, pop a couple threes because Davidson is never – known for their defense. They're, they've run beautiful offense. They're never known for their defense. Yeah, that's true. And I think we got to push the tempo like we, we talked about. That's not the game that they want to play. It's the game we want to play. So impose your style of play on that team and press more. Um, you know, they're a good passing team. They're a smart team. But I think that we can overwhelm them at times. So so pick take your shots and, uh, and, and try and turn them over. All right, around the A-10 real quick. Let's go around the room. Who is the team to beat in the A-10 this year besides Dayton? Uh, I am going to go with – I'm going to go with Duquesne right now. Ooh, that's a good one. Connor? It's a great great question because Dayton looks like the best team. St. Louis, I would have chosen them a few weeks ago. They haven't looked that good. Yeah. Um, I would say I think Duquesne or UMass are two teams with favorable schedules that have UMass very good defensively, Duquesne very good offensively. I think Duquesne – I think one of those two teams is a top-four team this year. I, I, I agree. I think Duquesne is going to slide in there. Chris? That's a tough one. Um, Dayton, I I just can't pick against them. But we we're saying second seed, um, maybe U of R, but I don't feel great about that. I'm, that's what I'm going to go with, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, just because I want VCU to get their revenge on Richmond. All right, it's time for This Week in History. We hand it off to Connor Bailey. This Week in VCU Basketball History. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. Exactly 22 years ago, 
today, when you'll be listening to this recording, VCU played East Carolina at the Stew. It was year two of the Seagull Center. Uh, trailing late in the game, Bo Jones made a layup. Uh, uh, mentioned earlier, Bo Jones, one of Willie Taylor's teammates, made a layup uh, to take a one-point lead. And right down the court, ECU took it to the rack, missed the shot, but got fouled. Hit one free throw. And keep in mind, this is in overtime. So the score is 81-81. to 81, Missed free throw. Bo Jones gets the rebound and chucks up a 70-footer, and Terry Sasiski just goes, Overall, VCU wins a game against East Carolina, old CAA foe, on a 70-foot buzzer beater three. An excellent memory of mine. I, I was eight years old. I was at the Seagull Center that day. Fun fact, my brother was a... I believe I guess that's a sophomore at VCU was not at the game. He always he always complains about it because he was working on something. I don't know if it was work related because this is probably on the winter break. But uh, yeah, Big Mike was not at that game. But uh, Bo Jones hitting a seventy footer is a memory I will forever forever hold because you get to say for the rush. It's like going to see a no hitter or something in baseball, or going to see a last second touchdown or something. I got to see a seventy foot three by Bo Jones. Now, the trivia question I was asked, I couldn't actually. I've not been able to find who the starting five was for that game. Can you name the, the five leading scores on that 2000-2001 VCU team, Caleb? On the okay, um, so Mac well, McCarthy's head coach. Yeah, yeah, Lamar yeah. Lamar Taylor. He was such a sixth. Okay, damn. Uh, Bo Jones. Bo Jones is one. Willie Taylor. Willie Taylor's two. LF like leadoff. Three. Johnny Story. Five. Uh, Nesterov. No, he was seventh. <laughs> uh, Boris Kojo. Uh, could, Scott uh, Lilly. He was like eighth. Yeah, I, I okay. don't know. Dominic Jones as a oh, as a, a sophomore sophomore yeah, sophomore. yeah. yeah he was a all CAA player as a sophomore he, he was he was great so Bo Jones Willie Taylor LF Lake leadoff Dominic Jones and Johnny Story my favorite random VCU player but a great memory seventy foot three Bo Jones you've been listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast you can always get in touch with us on social media and you could send us a voicemail letting us know your thoughts at the game let's take a listen to the latest. Ted Lineback here, just calling in. Uh, I recently had the pleasure of attending the VCU LaSalle game with the professor, Christopher Mason. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, just some general thoughts. I mean, the fans seemed excellent. Uh, the team seemed decent. Pretty tough stretch there in the first 10 minutes. A lot of Miss layups, kind of wondering what I was doing, paying fifteen dollars to watch basketball for a sec. But from what I could tell, I'm no basketball, you know, aficionado like you fellas. But David Shriver kind of won us that game. He came in with ten minutes left, had a great defensive stop, made a three, and from there we kind of took off. So, kudos to David. Kudos to you guys. Absolutely love what you guys do with the podcast. Keep it up, guys. Thanks, Teddy, for setting us that voicemail. I will agree, that game, David Shriver played amazing. Um, good to see. Let's get some more of it, please. <laughs> glad, glad my old club baseball team, uh, second baseman shortstop tandem got to see a game. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, David Shriver was the best player of that game. You've been listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Go Rams. We'll see you next week.